Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. An intellectual carrot. The mind boggles. You see? You see? Your stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. Earth has had Santa Claus long enough. We will bring him to Mars. I've been afraid a lot of times in my life. But I didn't know the real meaning of fear until... Until I had kissed Becky. One thing will be clear. It's not for man to interfere in the ways of God. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Earth vs. Soup, episode 127. I'm Aaron Pollier. And I'm Darlene. We watched a Universal Horror movie today, um, mainly because, again, we had done a science fiction movie last episode, and we decided to go back to the well of Universal Horror movies, and we had just eaten at Famous Monster Pizza again last night in, in Decatur, Indiana, and that restaurant is filled with old Universal Horror movie memorabilia and they show amazing universal um science fiction films from the 1950s up on the big screen what did we watch crawling hand that was crawling hand last night and we laughed and laughed because we have already reviewed the crawling hand for earth versus soup and i'm sure the people that sat around us got annoyed got annoyed again as we ripped on the movie and really enjoyed ourselves but we did have giggles again we did have giggles from certain people when we when i yelled out skipper and somebody else and did somebody it. else did, did too you? on the other side of the the restaurant and that that brought me joy but anyway we watched werewolf of london from 1935 tonight it's 75 minutes long it's black and white because it is 1935 folks if it's in color there's something very strange happening uh the budget was 195,000. wow um they were trying to get balagosi but uh, to uh, to get uh, to consider for the lead but he was involved in mark of the vampire well See, everyone did give two shits about Bella at this point in time, and everyone loved him, and he was always very, very busy. So I'm glad that he had enough work that he could turn down Werewolf of London at this time. Um, the music score, you you uh, said it, that you liked it in the beginning. Yeah, I like it. Well, you see, in these old movies, like post-Dracula, because remember, Dracula had classical music at the start, and then it does not have a score because it was so soon after silent films that everyone wanted the, the movie companies didn't want music because they thought that it would be confusing to the viewers to have music on there with the silent films because they're so used to silent films. So Dracula is a very strange movie in that but way. Silent but, films did have music. Yes, but they were outside of the film being played either as not a part of the movie if what what they or were the afraid emotions. was what they were afraid was was that if it was in the movie with sound on top of it they would that people might assume that the music is being played inside the movie scenes and it's it, look this is again this seems like that would be a very dumb idea like, how would anyone ever think that? But again, this is a completely different time. We do have movies that do that, though. You'll... Well, yes, there's, I think it's diagenic music and non-diagenic music. Or, or, like, there's music that's a part of a scene, and there's music that's part of the movie over the scene. 
right? But in this, it is clear that the movie companies went, oh crap, our original idea was complete garbage. The talkies should have a score to them. People are smarter than animals and we need to have a score. And Wolfman, uh, Werewolf of London has an actual score and it's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but it's pretty good. So um, what else do we want to talk about for this before we get into the plot? Have you ever seen this movie before? I think I have. Yeah, I think I have too. Again, it's one of these, if it's a universal horror movie, I guarantee you that I watched it with my mom. But the only thing I remembered is that one weird woman that's uh, high-pitched and that uh, really getting sick about the, the plant eating. See, I think I remember the the flowers in the laboratory. That's what I'm talking about, and there's that... No, 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 not the botanical gardens. I mean, like, the moon lamp. Oh, no, I don't remember that. Um, I think I remember that because of the. it looked like a, it looks like a big pile of manure that these plants are kind of in, but it is, it's soil. It's soil. But for whatever reason, I remembered it as manure, remembering this film. So it's obvious that I, I watched it as a kid on a low-resolution television set. And uh, an old re- resol- uh, low resolution television set that's a tube television, folks. Yes, we are. Uh, I well, we're actually not really that old yet, but it's very clear that entertainment and media has changed quite a bit since we were kids. When I was a kid, I had a t- tube, console tube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TV that had its own uh, box. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. One console. of the, f- the floor TVs. Yes. Yeah, see, I had a big floor TV. But and when I say big floor TV, the TV had a screen of like 15 inches. Yeah. And and the box of it was huge, though. It was like a cabinet. Yes, it was like it, a... It was color. It was color. But when when we when we talk about big screen TVs when we were kids, it's like, yeah, it's like maybe 15 inches. Yeah. We're not talking about wall size. Because, I mean, you think about like... You think about TVs I had, today. I it's had like, a, a black and white that was in the kitchen that oh, was yeah, only... See? I mean, its screen was less than 12 inches. Okay, so my the first TV that I owned that was my TV that I actually got to have in my bedroom was a black and white tube television with a 7-inch screen. And the other and it thing, had bunny ears. It had bunny yes, ears. Yes, and that's the thing that most people forget about it is the joke about trying to get tra- uh, your your TV. Yeah, but I had in. I had good res- I had good it goes Reception. over the it's got to go over the head of everyone that never had to deal with that it also boils into our whole argument of how uhf might not make sense to a new generation weird al's movie uhf but then we have to go well it's more like youtube channels today like the weird the weird crap that youtube channels would do or you know yes but they didn't have to deal with the bunny ears and grabbing aluminum foil and stringing aluminum foil between your antennas darling my father worked at a metals foundry well metals recycling foundry i should say and he would get in miles of copper wire. So I rigged in like a massive antenna that I had built that actually I strung up the regular TV antenna, but then I kept putting loops up and down the antenna. And unfortunately it turned the TV antenna into a lightning rod, (laughs) even more of a lightning rod than it was. And I had melted copper at the bottom of the, the TV antenna one time. You know the TV antenna that's back behind the house that I grew yeah. up in. Yeah. All right. So so you pushed it out your window. And... I put it out my window and then looped huge loops of copper wire through everything. It's it was Without crazy. grounding it. No grounding at all. And that TV exploded. <laughs> the first big electrical storm. It just blew apart in like a poltergeist level kind of detonation in my room. It was fun. Anyway... Werewolf of London. What else? Okay, so there are connections to other kind of famous films, I should say. Great Expectations. Great Expectations has an amazing amount of connections to this. Who is it? The director that did this? The director. Um, he, he did Great Expectations as well. The main uh, female. The leading lady in lady. this is the leading, leading lady, lady in, in Great Expectations. And her, her name is Valerie Hobson. She plays a woman named Lisa Glendon in this and the main male character in this one was in it but not very yeah he he wasn't a very uh highly billed actor in great expectations but the other person that has a lot of connections is warner oland who plays dr yogami in this movie 
he played what was it doctor um charlie chang in all the charlie chang movies and if you want to talk about um uh, an example of hollywood whitewashing a ethnic character this man is like the poster child for it and i mean again this is the 1930s it's a very different age don't cancel warner oland warner oland was um he was born in sweden he's a swedish man and he he is very much not a man from asia but he gets he, he gets is typecast in and everything i mean all even these this Chan one it, it's a yoga money like he was y- yogami from, like he was from japan like all, almost uh, not every one of his characters but almost all of his characters he, i mean he plays dr fu manchu in the mysterious dr fu manchu he, he he plays so many Asian characters, and I think it's just because... He got typecast. He just got typecast. And it's shocking because you can look at him in this movie, and this man's not Asian. You can, like, there's... This man's not Asian. You look at him in, in the Charlie Chan movie posters, this man's not Asian. They just have him with, like, Asian-style eye makeup. Eye makeup and the... And like a little, the Beard. little Fu Manchu mustache. Like, that's it. That's it. And I think it's only because he's got those those eyes that. I no no. I think it's just makeup and the fact that he was a very inoffensive man in general. Like he he comes across as a very kind of mild mannered person in this movie, and I don't know if that's like his general personality. But the man was he has a big filmography behind it under his belt. I mean, he was almost in a hundred movies between like 1937 and 1912. So you're talking what 25 years and he almost did a hundred movies. So on average four per year. And the thing is like early in his career, it was not four films per year. It was like one every three years. So the, the man was a busy person. He was clearly well, uh, well regarded in Hollywood. Uh, for good or ill, whatever. But I'm I'm just saying that he, this guy, if you've watched any of the Charlie Chan movies or some of the Dr. Fu Manchu movies, this is Charlie Chan. This is Dr. Fu Manchu. And he plays another supposedly Asian character in this movie, and he is not Asian. Um, that being said, we see, we this movie opens on Tibet. Let's get into the plot. And I'm going to talk about some things that bring me joy in this movie. Because the first thing we see brings me joy in this movie. You cracked up laughing. I cracked up laughing because the camera comes in on a map that says Tibet. And like it's clear that this is supposed to be Tibet. And I immediately know it's not Tibet. Because that is Vasquez Rocks. In fact, I can see exactly where Kirk fights the Gorn. Like in that shot, I'm like, Darlene, Look! Look! It's I know, rock. you did this. <laughs> and, and you stopped it. And I you... stopped it. I was just clapping because this is not Tibet. You have broken me out of the movie movie. And I love you for it because Vasquez Rocks is a distinct, dramatic looking rock formation. Correct? I mean, you can understand why people film there. Well, you know it by Star Trek. Other people would know it from these old movies because it's... It's it's like uh, Bronson Caverns, yes. Bron- Bronson Caves or it's Griffith Observatory. It's closest enough, yeah. and it can be. It can be anything. It can be Vulcan. It can be you know the. It can be the planet that Kirk fights Sigourn on, because I don't think he technically fights them on on Cestus Three. It's a different planet. Anyway, um, it can be anywhere. The fact is, is that people that use it today now also reference the fact that it was in Star Trek so much as different weird places. So. Vasquez Rocks has appeared in so many movies. As soon as you see it, folks, you will recognize it or you don't really watch a lot of 1950s and 60s science fiction. So it's it's fun that it, it was shown in 1935 in Werewolf of London. Okay? Because it's Vasquez Rocks, Tibet. And uh, an English botanist, yes. Dr. Wilford Glinda, Dan. Dr. Wilfred Glendon. And I just refer to, him, refer to him as Wilfred all the way through my notes. Journey's there, and he's got somebody, and I never knew who it was. Because I didn't find him in the credits. Was it uh, Hugh Renwick or something like that? Let me let me look through my notes. 
I could. You can keep going though, darling. Well, anyway, he's searching for a rare flower, and um, he starts talking to the people to get where it is, and he thinks it's in a valley that nobody goes to because there's a legend behind their um, superstition. They don't actually tell you what it was. What it was. Oh either. yeah, no, they do. They do. Um, they say that people disappear and never come back from this valley because there are demons that kill them in this valley. Okay. That, and that's where they leave it. Now, obviously, since this movie is called Werewolf of London, we kind of know what the demons are. Right? And then there's this professor that, uh, no, this no, 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 no. priest that comes and scares everybody away. Yeah, because they think he's a demon, which is which is strange. But he he says I wouldn't even go into that valley. Yeah, what the hell's wrong with you guys? You know, I guess wisdom requires people to fail. Like I, he was like, no, being a fool. Being a fool. Yeah, wisdom comes with being a fool or something like that. And I, I was like, wow, this guy's being really direct. But it's probably because he's seen a lot of people go into this valley and never come out. Like, hey, if you don't want to listen to me, that's fine screw off but wilford does find the plant that he's looking for which do you have the name of that plant it's it's moonflower yeah it, that's that's <laughs> oh, what it I is got. it also has lupus in there somewhere yeah yeah it's a wolf it's the wolf flower wolf moonflower and he finds it and then he gets attacked yes he gets attacked by a werewolf a wolf man it is very clear it is a wolfman. Um, but remember, this is before the wolfman with Lon Chaney. This is actually technically the first werewolf film from Universal. And I will correct myself right now. The Wolfman from 1941 was not the first film to really firmly put in a lot of the werewolf lore. But it did some of it, like it Silver. Went- and all that 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 was put added in the with, silver with, with put in the wolf bane wolf bane this doesn't have hardly any of it no it does that will werewolves change with the full moon because normally okay, you never that... had to have old lycanthropy remember was like a pact with a demon slash devil that a person did and could change at will not at a a certain point in the, the 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 moon cycle. So these films made it a curse. These films made it a curse. They made it a transferable curse. They made it so it happened under the full, full moon. moon. They made it so it was that you didn't really have control over yourself either. And you and, went after your loved ones. And you went after your loved ones because that but, was one of the. Th- things in this that one might have that might have been mentioned in some of the old french folklore the going after uh loved ones but i'm not sure on that remember there was will- the whole werewolf scare in in france in the early 1700s where it was like hundreds of people supposedly were killed but it was likely that there it was like a psychopath roaming around the french countryside um anyway a werewolf attacks him he bites him but he, he, like, forces him off. And gets out of the valley. He gets out of the valley, but he gets out of the valley with the flower. With, yes. like, and a big pile of dirt. Which, actually, I thought was a smart thing to do. If you have just discovered a new flower, a new species, this incredibly rare species, just taking it out of the soil and bringing it back, without bad testi- idea. Without testing the soil. Because exactly. you got to find... a figure out the alkalites of the... Well, yeah, like the pH, you want to know what minerals it tends to like in there, but it's not just that. This is, and to me, this is why it's so smart. This plant might have to have certain bacteria in the soil to grow around its roots. It might have something that lives in the soil, like a worm or, or an insect of some sort, that is uh, symbiotic with it. Um, bringing out the soil is a very 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 smart thing to do so credit where credit's due this might seem like it was overly complex this guy brought out this giant pile of soil with this flower in it i thought it was very smart yeah because like most people don't realize birch trees are all like one birch tree yeah and it requires a fungus also to 
for uh, in its roots to do the metabolism. Well, a lot of a lot of trees have have a fungal component on their roots to help them. But uh, anyway, anyway, the doctor uh, Wilfred brings back the flower in this pile of soil back to London, and he works in a botanical garden that's attached to his house. Correct. Attached to his house, I believe. It and is. His lab is too. And and here's the thing. I think that it's supposed to be like the actual London Botanical Gardens. It just so happens that his house is like right next to it. And he has a lab that is off of. Okay, the lab is super cool. And we need to talk about the lab. It's off of the greenhouse. Yeah, we need to talk about the lab because this is the next scene. This is, I would say, maybe the first time that we ever see on film, even like in any kind of science fiction, that this guy has a phone-based video surveillance system. And when I say that is, think of what your cell phone would be, your flat smartphone, hooked up to security cameras that digitally send video to your phone from cameras around your house. We have that. We have that. But this is 1935, so what is it? It's a rotary stand phone that he has to dial in a number it brings up a specific video camera and broadcasts it to like a tube television on top of this phone. And I was like, Darlene. They didn't have television at that time. Uh, I don't think they did, but they had movies and it's not a giant. I, they, they had freaking television. It was just Tele- incredibly, incredibly rare. It was probably under under development, but even if it wasn't, see, I don't know the exact date that television the date, was really. The date talk that, for a second. I'm gonna the date that tele- uh, television really came into power, especially in UK, was um, when um, the Queen got. Darlene, it's there. It's there. Yep. Um, Nineteen twenty-seven. 1927. It was it was first it was first shown in London in 1927, like the first actual demonstration. Okay, I mean, but that when it really became big was on her uh, on see, her her uh, the Queen's. Uh, it was a King's speech because it was like in the 30s. It was again in the 30s, like pre-war, wasn't no, it? No, uh, the rush for everybody to buy TVs in. In oh, England that was the was that was the, the, the uh, Queen Elizabeth's coronation. coronation. Yeah, yeah. But see, it's Scottish engineer John Baird gave the world's first demonstration of true television before fifty scientists in central London in nineteen twenty-seven. So, okay, it is completely feasible that in nineteen thirty-five, that a highly advanced scientist of some sort has a video security system installed in his high-tech yeah. lab. But I'm just saying, when I saw that, I was like, "Holy crap!" That is amazing because it is literally a phone based video surveillance system. He had to dial the rotary phone to get the number of the camera that he was looking through. And he sees his wife come in and it turns out that his wife is named Lisa. She's the, the, the actress that we've already talked about that was in great expectations. Um, what was her name? Uh, Valerie Hobson, the actress's name. Her name is Lisa. Um, she arrives and says that, hey, look, there's a party. You are expected at this party. Because and- it's a botanical society garden party that was he was putting on. Yeah, but he was so interested in this new flower. Okay, fair enough, right? And she's like, you haven't been the same since you came back from Tibet. And he's just kind of blowing it off. All right, so... Well, we have, you like, wouldn't be either if you were bitten by a... Well, yeah, but he hasn't changed yet. It hasn't been a month. But it probably is changing his mood. Probably. I mean, he has, like, wolf blood going through him or whatever. But anyway, um, uh, there's, like, a rich woman that is in this scene for some reason. And, like, it's only she's only in this scene really this time. No, this... Eddie is also... We, we, we also go to Eddie, her... Eddie Combs, played by Spring um, Byington. Yes, Go. she's also the lady that does the music, uh, what are they called? The salons? Okay. The musical salon that, uh, she's the drunk Okay. hostess there. Okay. That Ugh. screams about him, uh, when he came comes in the window. Okay. 
And then he ends up killing that. She was in uh, the original Batman TV series. She was J. Pauline Spaghetti in the original. And she was in I Dream of Genie. <gasps> wow. And Mr. Ed. So I've seen her many times. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My lord. Anyway, keep going, darling. Well, that's going into the... She's front. freaking out about she's freaking out about carnivorous plants. Yes. And there's a triffid. Yes, there is a triffid. I mean, it's not it an exact eats triff- a, it, it eats a frog. It eats a frog. This is a clearly a fake carnivorous plant. Yes. So that's why I called it a triffid. There are incredibly large carnivorous plants here that people are like, Oh, how horrible. It's, oh. it eat, it's eating a... A fly. In, in all of that Christendom. In all of Christendom, this is this is savage. I was <laughs> I'm like, like, oh my, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it at this party, a man named Paul Ames comes in. And at first we realize that Lisa knows him. And it comes across as her being immediately cagey about how she knows him. It's clearly a lie when she introduces him. Um, and he says, you know, I, I, yes, of course, I proposed to Lisa before you met. And she's like, ha, 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 I was six. six. I was six years old and he was 12. And it turns out, no, that's not the goddamn case. Later on, we realize that Paul proposed to her like right before. She probably wasn't lying. It was probably the truth. And then. And then more later, so that, 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 that it, they had been in love with each other. Both of them. It hadn't been one sided. Nothing like that. Anyway. Um, damn we cat. are introduced. Our cat is on, on trying to climb on us. Let's see here. Uh, we are introduced to a man named Dr. Yogami, who is played by Warner Oland. Uh, who I've already said it played Dr. Fu Manchu and Charlie Chan. Um, and he tries to get involved with Wilford. And he says that they're... Uh, that they that, met. That they met in Tibet, but briefly, sir, briefly. And he says that there are two werewolves in London right now. And you immediately looked over to me and it's like, how does he know that? And I, 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 I scowled at you, Darlene, and I said... Because they're the two werewolves. <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> like, it's obvious, damn it. <laughs> I, I don't really remember this film very well, but it's it's really clear the way that, that, that Dr. Yogami is kind of like right up in the face of Wilfred and like all but winking and grinning at him, all but doing that. But like, he says at this point, he says that that's an antidote. That the flower is an antidote. antidote an antidote but it's not it's a in that it it, 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 it stops a person in, afflicted with canthropy from becoming a werewolf for two hours a few hours he says a few hours so the flower blooms in Wilfred's lab and hair begins to grow on his hand and he's like huh that's slightly strange but then he takes the flower and he like rubs its sap on him and like the hair goes away he's like ah okay I, I guess I was just hallucinating. Or maybe the flower is making me hallucinate that I don't have the hair. Who knows? Um, no, I think he knows at this time when he does that. So, well, he's then very clearly delusional through the rest of the movie. When he's like, well, not the rest of the movie. For the next few scenes when he's completely denying that anything's wrong. It's like, oh, there's nothing wrong. There's no such thing as werewolves. As he's like trying to lift a leg and piss on trees. I don't know it's a little silly if that's the case i think he 
he doesn't really think there's anything wrong. Um, but nothing's really happening. He just thinks maybe he was too tired or something. Um, Dr. Yagami comes by the house and Lisa speaks with him and allows him uh, allows him to come in and speak with Wilfred, even though they weren't really planning on having visitors. And uh, Dr. Yagami says, oh, tonight is the first night of the full moon. And he tells him that the flower will only work for a few hours. And that, hey, look, we need to go get these flowers ready. And Wilfred's like, screw off, buddy. This is my discovery. You don't get to interfere with it. So Wilfred sits down in a wonderful, like, smoking jacket in his beautiful Victorian library, and his cat starts freaking out at him. It's a pretty cat, and they I don't know what the hell they did to that cat to make him afraid, but that cat honestly was terrified. Like, it's... It, it's back was fluffed up in, like, in, yeah, it, on the spine. It's rare to see a cat that actually terrified. Because yeah, it's the hey, spine was we, our kind. Our cat, we we could get him to purr and he'll puff do up. that, puff but up. not not the back, the back <clears throat> um, bristle, the bristle, yeah, the that back bristle, like that cat did. That was pretty intense. Spine. So I don't know, like maybe did they just like bring in like a panther and just have it right off camera, and 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 had tied but, the cat down uh, or maybe something? They brought in that small little dog, the Emmy or whatever her name is. Oh, Eddie had Eddie maybe. maybe. So he starts actually turning a, uh, turning into a werewolf as he's reading a book on lycanthropy, but it's not actually lycanthropy. It's like lycanthrophobia or something like that. The, the book, the book, how it describes werewolfism is not using the proper terminology. Let's put it that way. But, you know, again, I think that they just didn't really know what they were writing about at this point. This is 1935. It's really the first werewolf movie from universal. Uh, you got to give him a little bit of wiggle. His right? wife comes in and no, not, no, that yeah. was at, before. Yeah, that was before she came in with Paul because he wasn't going to go to whatever function they were. And there's the kiss that it, she just stiffens up. I don't know. But anyway, we flash over to the lab. We see hands cutting two of the blooms from the plant. And at this point, I'm going to say I, I'm i kind of mad because those are female, female no, they hands. You kept saying that. And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. Those were very clearly a man's hands to me. What I think you saw as female hands, why they were female hands, because they were well manicured. And I'm used to yours. And which yours are to my hands are like tore up. So, uh, Wilfred changes, and unlike other werewolves here, and this is what's interesting, he hasn't really lost his mind. He gets up, says, grr, grr, arg, and puts on a hat and a scarf and a coat before leaving the house while growling. Like, it's clear that he wants to kill, but he hasn't completely lost his mind. And he goes to find it finding that the two blooms that he got are gone. Yeah, and then we go over to a party and we see Lisa and Paul are there along with Dr. Yogami. And that's Eddie's, Edie's Como's place. And there's like the just drunk got woman. A new, yeah, that's the host. Is that Edie? That's Edie. Uh, uh, Eddie Combs? That's you think Eddie. that's Eddie Combs? I thought that, that was, was a different, Ed different nope, actress. that's but, Eddie Combs. Okay, that's because fair. She, she said she was buying a new uh, uh, a house that was one of the On the Thames. On the Thames. Yep, okay. And that was a funny scene because she is right on in this manner on the Thames. And she, this is not like in a Good. further. Yeah. It's not in the best part of London, but it is a ham, a, a nice manor home. She's talking to Dr. Yogami and she says, look, Oh, it's so beautiful being on the river Thames. And, and right over there, and right over there is one of the worst areas Slums of London. And They'll kill you for a shilling. <laughs> and she's completely drunk. And I'm going, you're on the Thames. It's 1935. Do you know how many tanneries and raw sewage is being dumped in the But she bought the house because some king or that lived there? Yes. Okay. Or, or like stayed there for a little while. Yes, it was. But it's, it's my favorite quote from, uh, well, my favorite quote that I do 
from Sherlock Holmes. Whenever Sherlock Holmes comes back into London, he goes, ah, London, the air is bracing. And then I, I always say as Dr. Watson, yes, the smell of tanneries and open sewers is wonderful, Holmes. And it's because it's the Thames in this time. Now, I mean, I'm sure that 1935 is not as bad as like Victorian London. But the worst was in 1950. The too. 1950s peace supers. Yes. The ones that killed hundreds people? of people. All right. Anyway. But I'm sure London um, had that uh, in Victorian age. So Edie had that problem. Eddie. And then see, I, I don't want to say Edie because then I think of uh, hard ticket from Hawaii. and, and But it's E-T-T-I-C. I-E. So, so it's E-T. 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 I have to say E-T, not E-D-E. Because then it's Cynthia Brimhall as, as yeah, E-D. Yeah, two from, T's, not yeah, a yeah. D's. E-T. Um, yes, I love I love the Andy Sedaris film. So, and, and I mention them sometimes, and I apologize, folks. Um, so what we have is Dr. Yogami is listening to this drunk woman prattle on about how she loves the smell of open sewers. And he's like, bitch, you're drunk. You well, got to go to was. bed. She was drunk. He's like, and bitch, you got to go to bed. And uh, Lisa and and Paul take her upstairs. Yeah, because she's, bed. she's shit-faced. Literally, if she likes the smell of the Thames. <laughs> and he... <clears throat> they constantly hear the howling of wolves. Now... Oh, oh no, That's it's just... It's, it's dogs. It's dogs, darling. You know, oh, it's just dogs out there. And they're like... Uh, people are like, no, those are wolves. In London? Oh, sure. I guess they're just feasting on the slums across the river. They're they're eating, like, the discarded children of, of the vagrants there or something. I, I don't know. These are all, like, incredibly high-end people. Pompous people. P- pompous people. So that's, that's the thoughts that are going through my head, that these are the people that need to be up against the wall. But, because they, they don't really give a crap. Like, oh, there's wolves. We're fine in here. Let's just continue drinking our champagne. It's 1935. Screw you. Anyway, the rise of fascism is happening brought, a couple hundred miles she, away. She, they, they take her up to her <laughs> bedroom, put her in bed with fully clothed. Yes, yes. And uh, Wolfman breaks into her room because the windows are open because she must have the smell of 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 shit in her nostrils to sleep properly. So they had to leave the window open. And Wolfman comes in. She screams, "Bloody murder!" People, uh, the men race up. The men race up, and there's no Wolfman in there. She's just like screaming and closing the window. Because he went out the. He went out the window. window. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you have a rampaging wolf that wants it's to kill. It's a balcony window, so yeah, it's, it's not balcony window. Because it was the window that I thought that Doctor Yagami and her were standing outside. I honestly thought they were standing outside her bedroom. That's not the case, but no. that's what it felt like because but it she was. was she was hitting on Dr. Yohami the entire time while she was drunk. That's what it came across as. Uh, okay. That that balcony is used also in other scenes, too. Yes, it's the same scene. Because it's the same... It, it's the same set. Same set for... Uh, uh, to front of her, her ballroom or whatever that is. Yeah. Her bedroom. Yes. And also the gray... Glen, Glendon Manor. Okay. So uh, the next day, Dr. Yagami sees the murder of a random hooker in the news. No, is it a random hooker? It was a woman. A woman did get killed by Wilford. Down uh, on Goose. Gooseberry. Uh, Goose Street. Goose Street. On Goose Street. Because he, he, when he goes to run, he, this lady is walking home from wherever she was. Yes. And he uh wilford kills her there, as a wolf and i will say this probably has the second most um numbers of sex workers injured in a werewolf movie right behind strippers versus werewolves ah but the, ha, that's but a the joke. Strippers, strippers versus werewolves killed the werewolf the strippers well the werewolves. yes they also shoot them in the balls a few times but they grow backs because they're not silver bullets that's okay but anyway, there are a lot of sex workers that are injured in this movie. And? There are, for whatever reason. Um, so it turns out that, like, Dr. Yogami has the blooms in his hotel room. That he see, he's reading this newspaper. And the uh, chambermaid that is a part of this hotel staff, like, is doddering upon these flowers. And he freaks out when she's, like, touching them. Yes. Because there's only like one bloom what? left. There's one that he 
sucked used. all the and it's like it's wilted it was it's wilted and she's like oh it's so sad that this bloom died where the other one's still fine and she starts like doddering over that bloom and he really goes after her yeah and then he gives her coins to go get her some posy her her own flowers yeah so uh Later, Wilfred gets his lab assistant to guard these flowers, and he has to say that uh, Lisa's like, hey, come on out with me. Um, Gonna go to a ride in the moonlight. We're gonna go on a ride in the moonlight, and he's like, oh, god damn it, with Paul. And he's like, man, I'm gonna eat Paul someday, but I really don't want to go. I don't want to go because I don't want to wolf out and, like, murder all of you, because... But he was assuming the one bloom would come out. Yes, because there's one bloom left. He, she kind of forces him to say yes, and then he has to tell her no later on. Yes, because he's like, "Oh crap!" Okay. I have a a thing that I got to pick up from wherever. Yes, oh, I have to. I have to go down and talk with some other scientist. And he and, said he had to go out. It wasn't in London. No, it was outside of town. Well, yeah. So he then goes and meets two of the women that i love in this movie and it's because they are i've never seen they're two land ladies or okay so they're they're sitting in a rundown bar i think it's somewhere in london it's a pub i should say it's It's a tavern okay and wilford comes in and 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 he's like are there any is there anyone here that lends out rooms he asks the bartender after the another lady drinks two things of gin yeah and she's like and she wanders away but the bartender's like, yeah, there's two women back there. Talk to so-and-so. She's eating a, a plate of tripe. And he goes back there. And there are two old ladies that are fairly well-dressed, let's say. Like, yeah. lower middle class. But they're, for the time, like, okay. And one of them complains that her tripe tastes funny. And and the other lady that drank, like, three things and says she only drank one yeah. <laughs> of gin. Yes. Goes, you've got your veil in your mouth you're you're eating your veil and she's like oh oh i'm so sorry and then pulls it out and there all this food just drops out of her mouth that's caught on the veil and i'm like what the hell is happening all of a sudden what did what's happened to this movie but it gets weirder it gets weirder okay so wilford comes into the scene and sees these two old women like shit-faced they're like vomiting out tripe out of their mouths onto their veils and he's like do any of your lady do any of you ladies rent rooms and, and like the one lady's like oh yes, yes of course do. i have the best rooms and then the other lady's the like no, goes, no 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 she no. lies she I lies have. i have the best rooms and then the one woman punches her yeah the, the, the one old lady well the second old lady hauls off the- and punches <laughs> the first old lady in the throat <laughs> knocking her ass completely unconscious her head falls onto her bowl of tripe and she, and the first, the second old lady is just smiles she just smiles up at wilford and says i have the best rooms and i will take care of you let's go back and it's the they leave this old woman in her head in a bowl of tri- a plate of tripe the thing is guys this is not this the is the only a, thing that happens with these this two. This is a wonderful scene. It's so amazing because Wilford, you have to think that Wilford's like, what has happened around here? Because yeah, this well, one, it's like out of nowhere, the second old woman just punches her in the throat, knocks her clean out. Okay. His thought probably was, if I howl in that, this woman won't care. I mean, okay, <laughs> if you saw this happen in front of you, what, how, you wouldn't just be completely like stone faced. No, like, I wouldn't. I'd you'd be, be like, like, what, what the, the hell? hell just happened? <laughs> she just drops her head into the freaking bowl of half vomited up tripe and her dirty ass but veil. The, the other one, the one that drank the three, three things and lies that she's only got one. Yes. She takes him up to her room and it's stairwell. Oh, oh, oh. Stairwell. Yes. And stairwell. And she is interested in getting into wilford's pants again 1935 she's like you're single i'm single maybe we can make something happen and and wilford's like no i'm singularly single i am going to be single forever here and and she she won't let it go and he slams the door on her face (laughs) i mean she's not old old right like maybe she's in her late 50s early 60s let's say uh no and that that probably was 40s no oh come on darlene 
Those two ladies were supposed to be playing. No, because that's Miss Mrs. Wack and Mrs. Moncaster, and that's Ethel Griffins and Zephy Tilbury. So if I do Ethel Griffins, she was born in 1878. So in 1935, she's getting close to 70. Okay. Okay. Um. Not not there. And then Zephy was in 1863. Okay, so we're we're talking over 70. These, these women, and these women just went after each other. And the thing is, I'm going to go to their next scene. Yes. Because there's like, the, the thing is, the next scene that they're in, they're fully talking on like the staircase and, and they're like, oh, well, there's no hard feelings. I totally understand. He, this is just business, et cetera, et cetera. He slams the door yeah. and then let, sits down on... Uh, in the window with with moonlight falling on well, him like saying the, i pray i don't change i pray i don't change pray to, and, and he changes and he jumps out the window he howls and then he jumps out the and window like, that was closed so so the two old ladies they're like okay I, we're gonna go and investigate both of them have a key both of them have a key and they're like no this it's okay it's it's just business and then the woman that got that hell beat out of her the first time throw punches the second woman and knocks her ass clean out and it like as revenge it just walks off like she's she falls down the goddamn stairs i've never seen anything like this (laughs) one spectacular these are side characters side characters that have this wonderful okay guys side characters this is 10 out of 10 like high comedy two old ladies throat punching each other and just (laughs) falling like seriously injuring each other (laughs) over nothing and it it comes across that they do this constantly Constantly. to each other they're best of friends and best of enemies (laughs) they steal each other's bottles of liquor and just drink them dry uh, they're the 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 uh, the what is it fremony frenemies they're best frenemies <laughs> except they're best frenemies and will kill each other at some point like because okay. they punched they she punched her on the stairs and she fell down like some, she could have fallen down the full flight of stairs and that they probably would have just been like huh oh well and walked away <laughs> and and then then the one old lady that survived would have just found somebody else to start throat punching i guess, I guess. I've never seen anything like that. Okay, but we need to get back to the actual movie. Oh my god, that's this was just ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. <laughs> ten out of ten. Then we go to a lady walking into the zoo. Oh no, it, not a lady, a sex worker. Okay, uh, she was a sex. She worker? was a sex worker. She was coming into the zoo because she's trying to draw the guard of the zoo away from his wife and child. Because she wants that fat, fat, fat London Zoo check. Well, anyway, she gets munched. <laughs> she gets munched by the Wolfman. Yep. And because he's out and about, at because he locked himself in that house, but uh, the the apartment, but yes. still escaped. So the guard leaves her alone. Wilford attacks. Doctor Yagami goes to Scotland Yard and basically tells them everything he knows about werewolves and they're like and what the, the hell is wrong Thomas fourth how do you pronounce that last name uh forsyth first forsyth yes he he thinks everybody is just totally crazy crazy because uh wasn't it uh paul before said something about werewolves werewolves too yeah okay so well no this that's later paul comes in and starts talking about werewolves here's my thing you have this guy coming in who's a well-regarded, like, he's a doctor of something, probably a doctor of divinity, just like, you know, Van Helsing. But he's talking to Scotland Yard about werewolves. It's 1935. And they're like, get the hell out of here. Our next appointment is here. Oh, it, it is Dr. Van Helsing. He's coming in. And they're like, oh, Dr. Van Helsing. Yes, he's an amazing guy. We really need to deal with whatever he talks about. That was the immediate thought that I had in my head. That would have been a really funny, like, aside that Van Helsing is coming in. Because Van Helsing talks to the freaking Scotland Yard all the time about vampires. And they totally believe him after a little while. After at least the second movie. After Dracula's daughter. Anyway. This is all in the same goddamn universe. It's the Universal Monster movie universe. So When did did 
freaking Dracula's daughter get get filmed? When was 50 that? Fifty something, I thought. Dracula's daughter? No, it was it was uh, it was before that. Nineteen thirty six. Nineteen thirty six. So, so next year, it's actually the year after. Okay, so I, okay, fair enough. Scotland Yard might not believe in werewolves yet because they haven't been completely convinced about vampires yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. But this doctor Yama. Uh, Yogami. Yogami, which I got to laugh the whole time that she was on the balcony. He kept on telling her her, his right name, correct name. And she kept on. Yokohama. (laughs) She kept calling him Dr. Yokohama. Yeah. Um, He talks about about needing to get these flowers or you're going to have more deaths. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a plague upon London, which has not been seen in centuries or something like that. Right. Because it's werewolves attacking people and making them werewolves. This unless is, they kill unless them. they kill them like he's been killing all these sex workers like honestly this is the yeah this is like a werewolf plague it is just like what a vampire plague could be you know this is this is bad news bad news right so wilford then locks himself into this like monastery type thing that's on his property on his property at glendale Mon- manor which is not i don't think it's in london Okay, so, but Lisa and Paul are driving out there because Paul really wants to see it before he flies back to America. And this is where we really learn that Paul doesn't give a shit that Lisa's really married. He's like, I love you. I've always loved you. I want to take you back to America. You're miserable. Please come with me. What did I say, Darlene? Shut the F up. She even told him to stop it. He wouldn't. And he wouldn't. I wanted to go in there and punch Paul. Like, okay, number one, if you love somebody, I get it. Tell them you love them. Even if it's not right, like, yeah, they're married, whatever. You, it's okay to share your feelings, but then just go, okay, I understand the real realism of, you know, what, what this is. And this is it. I just needed to say what I needed to say. And now I feel better about it. But he didn't do that. He, he kept, was kept being gropey and it uh, was really, yeah, no, it was handsy. It was a little handsy. Was it rapey though? No. But okay. it was handsy. I'm just, I'm, it was handsy, not rapey. It didn't. It didn't verge into that. Is what I'm saying. No, but she told him to just leave it alone. That and being at said, that point, somebody. Uh, that that being said, that, that that people may see just being slightly handsy being rapey. So we shouldn't discount people's feelings on that because you know, con- touching should have consent. And and he once did you not. once you said just stop it. Me when I said when shut when up, somebody says stop it, you stop it. You stop it. He didn't. And he didn't. So that is kind of getting rapey. Let's be honest. Before that, that's handsy. He's being a little aggressive. She's when she said stop, then it's then it, yeah, done. You need to stop. Anyway, um it turns out that like Wilfred hears them and he gets really pissed off. Well, there's also the investigation at uh Oh at, yeah, because uh, the chambermaid dies, doesn't she? The chambermaid she? dies. And they're like, who stayed here? It's Dr. Yogami. But here's the thing. We don't learn about that yet because, Darlene, you're a scene ahead as always. Because what happens is, is that Wilfred hears Paul and Lisa out there and attacks. Lisa's able to get away because Paul distracts him and Paul goes to Scotland Yard. Lisa locks herself in her house. When Paul goes to Scotland Yard, he starts talking about werewolves. And that's when the Scotland Yard people hear about the murder of the chambermaid. And they go out and say, oh, look, there's no way in hell this is this is Paul. I mean, not Paul, uh, Wilfred. Because if this was Wilfred, how in the hell did this chambermaid just get murdered exactly the same way, 150 miles away at the same time? There's no way this guy did both murders. So they said, look, you're crazy, but we'll go out to the hotel first and investigate and then if this all pans out, like that this could be a second murder or something, then we'll, we'll go see Paul. Because I don't believe a word you're saying. Yeah, I, and we'll go see Wilfred. So they go out to the hotel and they realize that, look, here's these flowers that were there. That, that um, these And this is the flowers. next day after the... It's no... 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's, it's supposedly the, like the same night. They just, te- they must really tear ass out to this hotel and back. Because I thought it was the next day. It might day. be the next day. It might be the next day by the time because, they get everything back. Because everybody gets back to London. Yeah. So they go out there. They, they figure out that maybe Dr. Yogami is a bad dude too. Yes. And then the, one of the next scenes is... Um, him fighting Yogami. Will, Wilford yeah. telling his assistant Hawking, which is not even on the the credits. Yeah. He goes back to his lab. Well, I mean he goes he, back to his lab, tells Hawking, You don't see me and he goes to pick the flower. Yeah, and Dr. Yogami's But there. he get goes to get something else, like something to put the liquid in or something. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nagami comes down the stairs not from the outside door, yeah. down the stairs, and cu- cuts the flower and uses it before Wilford Wilford does. And Wilford goes, because there's, there's the moon. And Wilford light. turns into a, a wolfman again. So Wilfred and Yagami fight. Um, they, uh, Yagami gets away. No. No, Wilford kills him. Okay, Wilford kills him. I'm sorry. I must not have that in my notes. I, I know that he knocks Paul down. Like that he pounces on Paul, but doesn't actually hurt him. He knocks him down. And then he sees Lisa. Wilfred sees Lisa in the window of the, the house that she's like locked herself into. And he decides to break into the house. Cause at this point he's like freaking enraged. Yeah. He, uh, Wilford afterwards, Wilford knocks Paul yeah. down as Paul's going to. So he comes in and starts menacing. He starts menacing uh, Lisa, and uh-huh. that's when the police come in. But you can see that he's got some intelligence because she goes. Paul, stop it. Not Paul. Wilfred, uh, Wilfred, stop it. Stop it. And he's, he slows, slows down. down. Not stops. He slows down. But the police come in and shoot Wilfred down. And he thinks. He's on the ground. And here's the thing. It's not a silver bullet. See, the silver bullet thing hasn't come around Come yet. around, no. Um, he drops to the ground and he says thank you for killing me thank you for the bullet it's the only yeah, thing that could stop words. me i'm going to like see what this has all been about in a few minutes thank you and he dies and he slowly reverts back into his normal human form almost the end what the last shot we see is a plane flying away with who knows on board to what unknown destination but it, 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 we assume that it's paul and Lisa together flying back to America. But we don't know. It, it could be Paul alone. That's not ever really resolved. But then that's the end. Okay. So maybe we didn't cover the plot exactly as clearly as we, we could have. The point is, is that there were some really incredible, entertaining moments in this movie. Mostly with the side characters. Side characters again. Especially being... those two old women. Those two women, yes, they're at the top of my this works part of this movie. This works. What else works for you, Darlene? Um, I liked the sets. Uh, good. They're good. Yep. The acting was good. Yep. The Wolfman makeup, I think, might be better than the iconic Wolfman makeup from 1941. I like how they darkened. They give him um, a really deep widow's peak. A widow's peak that came almost to, to his eyebrows down. And um, I really like the scene that he walks and transfers pillar to pillar to yeah, pillar. Yeah, so they do cuts. They do really good edits as the camera passes these pillars where he passes behind them. So they basically cut, changed his makeup a little bit, and then continued to film then did it a few times so you see this kind of transition. It was a smart, it was smart transitions, smart editing. Um, very well done. I, lo- I really like the makeup. Um, I will say that I liked, 
I think what also works in this, not just the old one. I'm going to talk about like, come on, Edie, freaking great. Drunk is drunk as a skunk. Yeah, I loved how how hilarious she was as a drunk. I will say that um, everything else in this movie was generally average. Did, was there anything in this that didn't work? See, we'll go quiet because we actually have to think about this. Like, oh, this was bad. Um, the I whole think Tibet the, thing. The Tibet just... thing just didn't really work. Yeah, you're right. I agree. I, I, I don't want to like just completely monopolize talking about like what works and what doesn't. So I was kind of like, yeah, the Tibet stuff, you know, it felt like it was either a set or at Vasquez Rocks. Maybe if I didn't know what Vasquez Rocks were, maybe that would have made it a little better. But like, yeah, that's Southern California. Um, it's a day for night shot and because you said, there's oh sharp, my. sharp, sharp shadows. And you go, oh my, they must be sweating in those outfits. Because it's clearly day. It's a day for night shot. It's Vasquez Rocks, and they're in costumes for, like, the Himalayas, Mount, yeah. the high Himalayas. And I'm like, oh, man, those people are miserable. And they bring in a camel. Like, the remember the old, the old like, preacher is on a camel? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that those didn't really work. The Tibet stuff didn't work. And I'll, I'll say, even though it was accepted at the time that Warner Oland as a, well, essentially a Asian man, he might've been known for it. Sure. But come on guys. Like it's 1935. They didn't do anything like that. That was just such a standard thing. Hiring a white actor to play an ethnic character from today's perspective that is awful it's really bad it's whitewashing right like and it's Mm -hmm. but from the perspective of 1936 you know i don't think they're gonna be 35 35 i'm sorry from 1935 that's not out of the ordinary at all i at all so i don't know if i should hold it against the movie itself like if that happened today yeah you would hold it against the movie. That would be incredibly terrible. Um, and there was one other second character that would uh, should have got some laughs. What? Because uh, she was just a gripey old lady, high-nosed lady. I don't know. And she, she was in both the garden party as well as... Oh, the as, woman that was... No, no. Get off my train. Oh, Loud man. as can be as a performance is going on. <laughs> Stop stepping on my train. Because <laughs> um, she was that way in at the party, too. Just this. What lessons can be taken away from modern filmmakers? Don't, like you, don't whitewash. Don't whitewash. Like, hire, hire a person that actually is Asian to play an Asian character. And you don't have any of the excuses to uh, that they had back then where... Where, uh, well, I don't think it was an excuse. It was just that's common practice. There was like, kind of like the John Crow laws shit in that. Yeah, but it's Hollywood. It's a little different in Hollywood. It's just I, I, I think that was just something that was kind of accepted at the time. Um, but don't do it. Also, do and you don't not, need to do it. Do not be afraid to hire good actors for your side bets. Like, even if they're and I know that it happens every now and then, like these beautiful cameos that you sometimes get with like really well-known actors that everyone thinks it's a joy to see them just for a little bit. Like I'm, you think Tropic Thunder with Tom Cruise just suddenly showing up and everyone thinks that was hilarious. I know, I know darling, you haven't, you haven't seen that, but um, it's little, when you have a bit part and you have like a really good actor that's playing something that's really going to drive home a point or make people laugh at a point where they might need it, where the movie is slowing, slowing down or becoming, um, a little too heavy and you suddenly have two old women throw punching each other like god damn that that made me stop and think for a second what the hell just happened wait wait did i did i imagine that no that woman is face down in a plate of tripe because she just got throat punched like <laughs> i didn't even know that happened. i was like what happened <laughs> like darlene look at this again so like don't be afraid of of having little bit parts that are that punch you in the throat like that really and, come out and make you laugh or feel something right and it it did give the 
because the rule the the movie was getting really tense and there's a lot of some murders and lots of murders of sex workers but it wasn't the murders it was just that it, it was becoming serious drama yeah and it needed that two liquored up old ladies <laughs> throat punching each other it needed, it needed something a little bit and it did it like obviously we're recommending this movie right yeah. This is a good movie. This is a good movie. Is it the best werewolf movie? Uh, maybe not. It did a lot of firsts. The old ladies were 10 out of 10 fantastic. Like, I, I clapped. I stood up out of my seat and clapped. That was amazing. Um, but I think I liked Wolfman more with Lon Chaney. I think I did. Um, this has its charm, though. I am recommending it. You were recommending it? Yes. Out of 10. Out of 10. What would you give it? Out of I 10. said uh, 6. Yeah, and I would I've... say about a 6 to 6.5. It's on the good side of average. There are, but, and we gave a lot of things that were good in this, um, but most of the movie is average. It's 5 out of 5, and that kind of brings our, our numbers down, so to speak. And the Tibet stuff and the whitewashing really is kind of like, uh, from a modern perspective, I bet you if we were in like 1970 watching this movie, that wouldn't we wouldn't even blink about the, those two downsides like it wouldn't even but i mean we have to judge it both in the time period that it was made and our modern period 2022 so that's what we have to do we can't just say well if this was 1970 it would be like a eight out of ten but you know i'm babbling you know what i'm saying folks we enjoyed yes, this movie are. we recommend it i don't know what we're watching next for 128 but I'm sure we'll have fun doing it, right? Uh, we'll try, but it'll probably be... Well, you still got to do that musical one. Oh, God. Oh, God, the musical. No, oh God, no, no. No, God, no. It, the no, image... No, no, no. Oh, God, no. You, you said you'd do it. I said I'd do it. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm not big on musicals. There are musicals that I absolutely love, like The Producers and... and um, Rocky Horror Picture Show and but, pair of Penzance. Oh, Pirates Penzance, yes, because Gilbert and Sullivan are great. You know, I was a very model of a modern major general. Aaron, Aaron, yeah. stop, stop right there. Like uh, uh, this is this is Aaron and this is Darlene. Good evening. Keep watching the skies. <laughs> At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Thanks for listening to this episode of This Week in Geek. Hungry for more? Check out our website at thisweekingeek.net. You can subscribe to the podcast, browse our Twitter and Instagram, and leave your thoughts on today's topics. If you'd like to give us some feedback, send us an email at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. Tune in next time, and remember, lower your shields and surrender your listenership. We would be honored if you would join us. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night.